Welcome to the Destination Discipline Podcast. I'm your host, Gage Harness. This podcast is about diving into the lives of individuals who want more out of themselves and life, sharing stories and exposing the highs and lows of individuals and their journey in becoming the best versions of themselves. It is our mission to give you optimal information over topics on mindset, fitness, nutrition, personal development, entrepreneurships, and fresh perspectives to help you become the best version of yourself. Now, let's jump into it. Welcome back to the Destination Discipline Podcast. I'm your host, Gage Harness, and today we have a very special guest, Mr. Seth Moore. Thanks for being here, man. Yeah, Gage. Thank you for having me, man. It's an honor to be featured on here. You're spreading some really good word and encouragement and wisdom to a lot of people. So very honored to be here and excited to chat with you. I appreciate that. Yeah, we're trying out here. And uh, the other day I was looking at your Instagram that you just posted or that post and seeing the pictures from back then and then seeing you over a camera. I don't even know who that other guy is. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. Yeah, it's we can dive into that a little bit because I know we haven't had that parallel between our lives is the weight loss transformation and how that evolved and came to be. But I appreciate that compliment. Uh, It's it's very kind of you. And it's it's really part of my story. So I'm excited to share that today. Yeah. So let's just jump right into it. Um, How about you just introduce yourself? Yeah, for sure. So my name is Seth Moore. First and foremost, I am a child of God. Faith is the foundation about where I build everything else. So my favorite verse to share with everyone is Philippians 3.13 through 14, which says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's kind of the foundation of who I am and what I build my principles and my ethics on. I'm also a student of physical therapy. So I'm in graduate school right now pursuing that. I'm a fiance to my lovely fiance, Sarah Heinze. Um, We're getting married next year. So it's super exciting. I'm also a brother and have two younger siblings. And yeah, it's a little bit about me. Uh, I've enjoyed the process where I'm going. I'm excited to pursue a profession that helps people escape physical mobilities. to really just help the world see a life without limits. It's just a very awesome profession to pursue. And I'm excited to really be a part of that. So it's a little bit about me and who I am, but we can kind of dive more into that as the episode goes along. Yeah. I love how you lead with, I'm a child of God. You know, a lot of people, they honestly look over it as a Christian. Like if anyone asks me like, who are you? What do you do? I can't say the last time I really started with that, you know? Yeah. And it's important. But uh, yeah. I'm just curious, why did you jump into the field of PT, of all things? Did it start with yeah. like losing weight and then moving on to PT? Yeah, 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 for sure. It's interesting because I tell people, in a sense, I'm non-traditional with air quotes because I did pursue undergraduate, but I went into music education originally. Music was a huge portion of my life growing up. I did, I think, eight or nine years of it, just from uh, middle school, high school, fell in love with it, um, the way it communicated with people. How music is like this universal language of communication. It doesn't matter where you're from or what you speak. People understand the emotion and expression of music in different ways, but universally we all appreciate it. 
So I really liked that. And I liked the form of communication that it had. So I pursued music education for three years in undergrad. So I only had one year left. And within that third year, I decided to um, kind of take charge of my health. I was worried there's um, heart conditions and things that run in my family health-wise that I was worried about. And it kind of looked like it was heading in that direction. I was at my heaviest, 270 pounds. I'm five foot nine. So I was I was pushing pretty heavy at that point. And uh, February 13th of 2017 is when I decided, hey, this needs to change. So from there, I was a huge YouTube binger. I watched all the OGs, Nick Bear, Max Tuning, Christian Guzman, Alpha Lee, you, you name it. I watched them. Because I wanted to know a little bit about what did it look like? How are these people doing it? Um, YouTube was still kind of growing, especially in the fitness influencer realm at that point. But I fell in love with weight loss. And so over the two years, kind of fast forwarding a little bit, I lost 112 pounds in 2019. And within that, I saw physical transformation and how it not only helped me physically, but my emotional well-being, my mental well-being, my spiritual well-being, and how having that control and having that, you know, endurance within myself was just like super important, super critical. And I wanted to show other people that you don't have to be lost by not knowing how to do something and how to navigate it and being captured by your own physical and abilities. So that's what kind of shifted me into physical therapy was I saw a profession that literally took someone's physical mobilities that people feel captured in and showed them a way to take control of that and shift into a way of being limitless in their physical abilities and be able to pursue goals that they've always wanted to do or get back to goals they need to do with their family, with their job. And so I think it's a beautiful profession. And that's kind of how I led into that from music to uh, physical therapy, complete 180 shift. But that's kind of how it all began and how I kind of pursued it from there. Hmm. I liked how you talked about how with music, it communicates with you in a different way. And I feel like when you start lifting, that's exactly what your body does. You know, um, right now I'm doing PT, like like I'm the patient. (laughs) And I mean, when you sit around a lot of the time, because with my injury, it's kind of what I have to do. It's my leg and my knee people listening and when you finally start to move you instantly feel better and when you notice that it's actually your leg it's not some limp noodle it's like wow i'm human right yeah for sure yeah and it's it's interesting that i'm I'm glad you shared that gauge it's it's crazy because it's not that you you don't know it's is that you go into something and you feel like well i don't have the knowledge or I don't have the capability to do this. But in reality, it's little bitty steps that takes it to another level with movement. And physical therapists are technically what some of us call movement specialists. We we specialize in movement. We specialize in mobility. And really what we're doing is empowering our patients with the knowledge and the awareness that they are powerful, that they can do it. Because I think before you physically communicate, like you're saying with your weightlifting and things like that, it becomes a mental, you have to initiate that mental action and tell your muscles to do it. And then your muscles as a, as a response, come back to you and say, I can do this. So it's a beautiful thing. And seeing people overcome those obstacles mentally is just as beautiful as seeing them come over it physically, because that's the first boundary that I think a lot of people 
forget about is that the mental obstacle is just as big as the physical. Yes, especially for like my journey. And I know a lot of the listeners have already heard it, but it's definitely a mental game. Like, and I'm just kind of curious, like when you talked about how it's kind of like an education thing, because people aren't educated on the subject of that, you know, like just taking those small steps. Did you just become educated from watching YouTube or was there something else that helped you? So, um, I'm kind of a nerd, so I wouldn't say YouTube is my only platform of pursuing knowledge, but I think that it was the most accessible for me as an undergraduate student at, at being 18. I was, I didn't have literature. I didn't have, uh, all the textbooks I wanted at that point. I was also a music education major. So not a lot of people were into lifting big, heavy circles up and off the ground. So I, I didn't really have that, that village and that community of, uh, pursuing that. And I was never an athlete. So that's the other thing is I never really did athletics. I didn't play football. I didn't really do sports growing up. I was such a heavy set person that I just didn't feel, it didn't feel like it was my realm of belonging at that point, my environment. So, um, I just watched a lot of YouTube really. That was really my platform of choice. And I just, the algorithm found me and kept sending me people that were in the same realm of what I was watching. And those people are Nick Bear and Christian Guzman, Brandon Harding, all of these fitness influencers that were really at the beginning of like the shift into this uh, new fitness influence realm in uh, environment, social environment. So I watched a lot of that. And not only did it give me knowledge, but it also inspired me to keep going. So there were days in undergrad where I like remember sitting super, I was uh, at the very beginning, super novice to this whole experience and eating my lunch watching nick bear lift a 500 pound deadlift or something and be like dude i want to do that whatever he's doing give me two scoops of that you know because it was just like i want to do that so badly and at the time little did i know it was going to take me two years but within that two years it was the most rewarding and beneficial experience I've ever had because I think weightlifting translates into everything else you're ever going to do. And it kind of reminds me that there's a path within that, that you have to kind of go ghost is what I tell people. Like, it's not that you're disappearing, but you are alleviating all these barriers and going into this, you have to know that this is going to be a lot different than what other people are pursuing because they're not doing the same thing you're doing. I know you can speak on this too. Weight loss is just It's this long path of ups and downs. It is not linear, big hills and valleys. And I think one thing that comes to mind is there's a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson that says, do not go where the path may lead. Go instead where there's no path and leave a trail. And I felt that way a little bit when I was going into it because I was 270 pounds. I was very obese. And I was going into this, but I didn't have anyone in my community that was severely obese at that time like I was. So connecting and finding that network was challenging, you know, and then also expressing what I was trying to do because I was insecure was also a mental battle for me. But I think the pursuit of that led me to keep pursuing knowledge. And within that, I shifted my major from music education to exercise science, fitness management, And that's where it really started to grow my knowledge and stuff after that weight loss. But it wasn't until that weight loss that I ever pursue scientific literature. I just trusted that you lift the weight off the ground, you put it back, you'll grow. You watch what you eat, you track it, 
you'll grow. So that's kind of how that began. Yeah. I liked how you said that weight loss isn't linear. Like, <clears throat> cause I agree with that. I mean, you come into those, you begin your weight loss and sometimes, you know, you'll dive down, you'll, you'll diet correctly, you do all this and then you'll let up and then you'll go back up and then down, up, down. And right now I'm up on my high. And yeah. when I was down in Austin, I was talking to Tony Ray's shout out to him. You probably know who that is. Yeah. He said, he said the exact same thing. He was just like, weight loss is just a crazy journey, a trail like nobody else can see unless you're in it. And, you know, you start high, you go down low, and then you're going to go back up. And it's just part yeah. of it. And another thing he talks about is just a lot of the struggles. That was our conversation was like, what did we battle and how did we, you know, mitigate that, you know? So I'm curious, what was the hardest thing about losing weight for you? If you even had one. Whew. That's hard. That's a difficult question because I think weight loss is so multifaceted. I think the one thing that I became so obsessed with, obsessed with was the number on the scale. I became so obsessed with that number and it going down that I forgot why I was doing what I was doing and that that number did not define me. I think, and that translates over to a lot of things. That's a, that's a huge tangent I can, I can take further on, but I think that, that number became my identity, became who I was. That number on the scale and my BMI and the percentages, what this number was saying I was, um, was really what consumed me throughout the process. If I didn't hit that number or if I didn't hit the calorie goal on my fitness pal, which I know there's people out there, not 149 grams of protein, not 151, 150, you know? Yeah, that's what I was saying. You know what I'm talking about. And at the end of the day, it didn't matter. It wasn't, an, I mean, it is a numbers game. I mean, it is what comes in and goes out. It's a calorie intake, calorie uh, output. But I do believe that the hardest thing was overcoming. And to this day, I still struggle with this is knowing that the number on a scale is just a variable for reference. It's a reference variable. And so if someone's listening right now and you're going through weight loss, no, especially if you're a heavy set person, we have been there and Gage is shaking his head. Yes. He knows what I'm talking about. Uh, I think my main thing was not setting my identity within that scale number and understanding that that number did not define me, but my health defined me, my performance defined me, what I was able to do as a result of the weight loss that I had done. Um, and I, I should be proud of the person in the mirror because at the end of the day, no one knows what you weigh except for you. No one knows unless you share that information with them, which is great. I think you should do that. If you're wanting to encourage somebody, be transparent, be vulnerable, share that kind of information. But I think that was the hardest thing was watching my macros, tracking them down to the gram and also watching my weight as it fluctuated because I would look at it on a day-to-day -day basis, which is just very bad for your mental health. Because if you are tracking yourself on a day-to-day -day basis and not a weekly basis, you are forever going to be dissatisfied because it goes up and down. It can go up one or two pounds, down one or two pounds. It's just, it's wild. Your body's trying to remain in homeostasis, trying to stay in that stabilization. And if you think you can just look at that every day, some people can, more power to you. I respect it. But I think that that was the main thing was not identifying myself in that. Mm. Yes, man. I would wake up in the mornings and I'd, I'd hop on the scale and that would determine how my day would go. Like if yes. I'm eating or if I'm doing 
a lot of running in the gym <laughs> thinking that's that's yeah. how I was supposed to do it. Because that's where I started. I just I hopped on a treadmill and just ran and ran and ran and which is not what you want to do, you know? Yeah. Because I felt like I would walk around and I would have a little title above my head saying 300 pounds. But in retrospect, nobody looks at you and thinks, I bet that guy's 300 pounds. Nobody no does way. that. They might say he's a bigger guy, but you know, no one's thinking about your weight as they're talking to you, you know, like, and I'm curious as in the, the fact, like, I felt like I was treated differently, regardless of people didn't think that, you know, that guy's just 300 pounds. Like, did yeah. you ever notice that? Like from when you were bigger to when you're lighter or in better shape that like people respected you differently because I definitely felt that. Yeah. And it may have just been my own thinking, like you said, it may have just been in my own head and like in retrospect of thinking about it. But I think it was interesting was I was able to be more comfortable around other people because as a result of losing that weight, I always felt like there was this pressure on me, especially like, and I, maybe you can speak on this gauge is like going out to eat and ordering food. I could I can still do this. I can still just eat a lot of food. I just have always been able to. Food is just, it, it makes me feel comfortable. It makes me feel good when I when I consume food. And I know a lot of people feel that way. But I think the main thing that I got was not necessarily that I got treated different, but I continued to get the question, how? That was the main question I got. Not necessarily why, but how? And there's a lot of friends that I had that look great now. Because I just told them, you know, hey, you can do it. The knowledge is out there. The research is out there. And it's free. That's the most beautiful thing about it is once you realize that the information is right at your fingertips by just searching on Google or YouTube and finding that information, we are just anything you want to know. It's just right there. So I think that the question was how. And I drafted up recipe cookbooks and things that I made that were super consistent but a lot of people were like how did you eat rice and chicken for two years and i was like because i had such a i was so driven to like hit that goal that that's what i did but i so people asked me how and a lot of people reached out to me explaining um hey i am so proud of you and i, I what you did was amazing can you help me i found that once it happened for me and once i became vulnerable and shared it the exchange was People became vulnerable and transparent with me about their well-being and their health and what they were worried about. And to them, seeing me do it made them feel like, you know, hey, they can do it too. So that's the most beautiful thing about it. I think the weight loss transformation itself is extremely rewarding individually. But I think the most personally, the most rewarding experience is helping other people get there. I mean, that's why I pursued this profession. And it's amazing because it was a dream of mine forever. Once I and then once I hit that number on the scale, referring back to that, it was interesting. I didn't feel complete yet. I didn't feel done, uh, and I always thought I would. After two years, I'm like, yeah. Once I hit 175, your boy's done. I've made it. Was I super proud? Yeah. Did I get teary? Of course. But I wasn't done. That was the that was the most interesting thing. Was I was telling everyone, hey. Once you hit that goal weight, you're not done. I don't want you to reach it the same way I did and treat it as a destination because once you get there, you're going to crave more and you're going to crave more. So that weight's a great thing and it's a great objective to achieve. But 
The dream should be something different. The dream should be, hey, I want a lifestyle of health and performance and fitness. I don't, your dream shouldn't be, I need to be this weight because in my head, that's that number defines me. And uh, there is a quote by Earl Nightingale that says, never give up on a dream just because of the time it will take to accomplish it. The time will pass anyway. So regardless of how long you think this is going to take, if it takes two years on the other side of that, two years from now, you're going to think back. What if I started two years ago? So my challenge to everyone is if your dream is to lose weight, get fit, get healthy, reach out, build a village, build a community and pursue that dream. Because regardless, time is going to keep going, whether you keep up with it or not. So that was one thing that I had to really understand. And I didn't know how to explain that to people. But then I read that quote and it just captured it. It captured that what I was thinking, what I wanted to share with people. So a vision and a dream is so important. And you have to have that foundation, but I also encourage you to build a community, build a village and find something, someone who's going to hold you accountable, which I know me and you are huge BPN people. We love BPN. We love the culture. We love the environment. We're project and your people. Shout out to our coach, Joe Rinaldi, if you're listening, we appreciate you. Um, but what I think they've both done so well is they've individually accomplished big goals but that was not their dream. The dream was to build a community that networked and did great things together cohesively as a collection, collaboratively. So I encourage people, pursue your dream, go for it and don't quit. That's the worst thing you can do. The only thing that's ever going to stop you is the fact that if you doubt yourself and say, I'm done, that's, that's when things stop, but it's, it's a grind. It's, it's a beautiful uh, thing to pursue, but I encourage people, Find your dream and see what that is. Hmm. Can you read that quote one more time? Yeah. So it's Earl Nightingale. Never give up on a dream just because of the time it will take to accomplish it. The time will pass anyway. Yeah, that's that's fire. I really like that. It's a good and one. You, it's a good one. Yeah. And there's a lot to dissect there. But, I mean, it's almost like an addiction once you start. And you start to see that weight go down. You're starting to feel stronger. You're starting to look different in the mirror. And, you know, I think it's good that you set, in my opinion, I think it's good that you set a weight goal. And I set a weight goal as well. And my goal was 200 and I weighed 329 and I'm 6'4". So that was a lot of weight to lose and especially get down to 200 at 6'4". And I hit 222 and I've never, like, I felt disgusting at 222. Like sometimes losing weight, like too much weight is really, really bad for you. Like I felt malnourished. I was super weak. I I could run. That's about it. But I mean, I was fragile and I was a bigger guy, like a bigger frame. So I think it's good to set that weight goal, but you need to push more for like just the health benefits, like lower blood pressure, healthier heart, you know, better skin, mobility, all of those sort of things instead of just that number. Cause it's more than a number, you know, um, it's a reference point. Like you said, I 100% agree, but yeah. Yeah. It, it, I'm glad you shared that about being malnourished and everything, because once I hit 175, that was my goal weight. It was not my lowest weight. I'll put it that way. Cause when I hit 175, I didn't look what the way I envisioned myself to look at 175. So I dropped down to 160. At that point, I had family members saying, hey, are you okay? 
are you sick? Are you, you know, cause I didn't share this with very many people. I, I, my close circle knew my best friends, my immediate family, but extended family on Facebook and social media were reaching out and saying, Hey, is Seth, Seth ill? Is Seth okay? And part of me is like, Oh, y'all just don't, y'all just always see me heavy. Y'all have never seen me at this way. So, you know, and I was trying to justify why I was doing what I was doing. But at the end, like you said, I picking up weights and stuff was so hard. I mean, I'm talking getting lightheaded when lifting, doing a barbell squat or um, a chest press, just like, you know, lifting it and then coming down and getting stuck. I'm with the lowest amount of weight I, I could possibly lift. And it was just interesting because in my head at the time, I thought, oh, this is just what you feel like. This is just what it's like when you're in a calorie deficit. This is just what you feel like. You know, this is the grind everyone's talking about. But then I realized that is not true because I was in a calorie deficit. And I think I was just eating probably 1,400, 1,500 calories from, from my my height and weight. It was just extremely low. And wow. at that point, I thought that was what I needed to do because if I ever saw the scale go up, I was like, oh, I got to stop. I can't, I can't have any more. So my justification was I just need to eat a certain amount of calories. But within that 1,500-calorie intake, I was also, like, running, doing Stairmaster every day, lifting. So not only was I in a caloric deficit with the amount of food I was eating, I was also burning off all of that pretty much with the the working out and things I was doing every single day. So mm -hmm. it's interesting that you say that because I think all of us that were heavy had such a huge fear of going back up that – until we reached that goal, nothing was going to stop us because that scale was our identifier. That was who we were, what we were trying to achieve. And I was so driven that I would go with my friends out to eat and I would just get a water. Legit. I would not eat with them because I was like, I can't have that. It's not in my macros. It's not in my goals. And once I realized that that's just not the case, that food is not your enemy, I am training for a marathon now for the first time and I'm loving consuming food and I'm the same way I was, you know, I, I'm around 175. I feel better. I look better. I'm healthier. I can actually lift weights. And it was all because in my head, I thought food was the enemy. I thought that was what was going to keep me from getting my goals and nothing was going to stop me. So I tried to alleviate that, bar that barrier. So people aren't alone in that. It's, it's a mind game. First and foremost, weight loss is a mind game. And then it becomes physical once you initiate it. But you have to get over those mental barriers and understand that food is not your enemy. Food is a colleague and a peer to help you get to your goals. So uh, keep that in mind if you're pursuing weight loss. And please talk to one of us if that's what you're trying to do. Like reach out to me, talk to me a little bit about it. And uh, just know that you're not alone in that. And that weight loss is a long process, but mm -hmm. it is a very rewarding and very fun process. 100%. And this is a message from me because right now I'm, I'm struggling with food, like weightlifting. I can crush myself in the gym when it comes to getting on a, a plate, you know, I, I go ham, but yeah. I mean, yeah. And you know, when you're losing weight, you have to find that balance with food. Like there's times when you can have it for enjoyment and there's also time to use it as a tool and as a peer to help you get to your goals. And it's really hard to find that balance, especially because I mean, if you've gotten bigger, it's most likely because of your habits and most most likely because you're used to eating so much food and that's why you can't get it off, you know? 
And so it's hard to break those habits. You know, it's, it's definitely a mental game. And then another thing is like, you got to reach out. You've got to ask for help and talk about it because if you don't, at least for me, it consumed everything I, I, I was, it was my identity. Like you said, I mean, I didn't eat with my friends. If they asked me to go out to eat, oh, instant no. You know, I didn't even think about the idea of just going out and having a good time with people. Yep. And that's overlooked. Like, <clears throat> that's where, like, the real fulfillment comes from. And that's probably why you should, like, when you lose weight and you get to that goal, that's when you should lighten up a little bit, I feel like. Not so much as in completely stop what you're doing, you know, but just lighten up. And be like, yeah, I can enjoy this food. Like I earned this and I'm not going to yeah. gain all that weight back in yeah. one single meal. That's another yeah. thing. You know how, you know, if you walk into a forest one mile, you have to walk out another mile. It's not yeah. like you're going to gain it all back. Yeah. Unless you just keep doing it. Like, unfortunately, I'm doing it right now. I need to stop. But <laughs> you're, no, I mean, you're hitting it's the nail on the head. Yeah, it's a real thing. And I love the forest analogy you just made. I've never heard it that way, but that's. That's a really cool way to analyze it. And I think it categorizes what we're trying to say. Like it emphasizes what we're trying to understand is for whatever reason, it's it's like, hey, I've been working out for six months, but this this hamburger right here, it, it's going to knock me back. And I don't know why, what triggers that other than we've, as a society, associated food with just certain food groups to be good or bad, healthy or not healthy. And that's, that's the main problem, I think, is we need to, as a social, that's a whole different thing, but as a social environment and culture, we need to kind of shift that a little bit. But I think, too, is understanding that food is the reason you are able to do what you're able to do, is the reason you're able to perform, be able to exercise. Without food, you don't exist. That's, that's the main thing that we need to understand. And I love that the analogy you just used. That, that's really powerful. So I'm, I'm going to take that from you, Gage, let you know in advance, but I will give you a shout out when I use it next time. So. Thanks. I actually read it in a book last night. It was a Stephen oh, King that's book. Awesome. And I don't know why he brought it up, but I was like, that's fire. Um, yeah. So just to kind of, you know, we talked a lot about a lot of different things, you know, weight loss is, is a big struggle. And I feel like even if you're not losing weight, you think about it, you know, especially when you're bigger, like what, so what was the deciding point for you is what I'm trying to say. Like what made yeah. you switch? Cause I don't know if we've mentioned it entirely yet. I could be wrong, but you know, what, what made the switch in your mind? Was there like a health reason? Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know if there's a defining detail. I can tell you, that I, one thing is I understood that my health, my family history was real. I understood that a lot of people in my family are heavy set, especially within uh, my dad's side of the family going back, they were really heavy set people. But I think too, one thing that really ignited the fire was my grandfather had passed away from cancer. Uh, and so that was really, at that point I had been dabbling and weight loss and I had succeeded, failed, succeeded, failed over those two years. But when he passed away, he was him and my grandmother were who raised me. So he was like the foundation of our family. He had implemented all of these things that I have found myself to really hold on to my ethics and my principles and who I am as a person. I, it came from him. So I made a promise to him 
when he had passed. I told him, because I'm the oldest of uh, three grandsons, I'm the, I'm the oldest son, I'm the leader. It's always been uh, just the way our family fell in was like, Seth, you're, you know, you're the leader. Your brothers will follow in your footsteps. You've got to set the example. So when he had passed, I think that initiated it the most. Because after that, there was no stopping me. After that promise I committed to with him, that accountability I committed with him with him before he had passed is what initiated the fire, I think, fully. Because at that point, everything I did was no longer about me. It, my why and the power of my why was about the promise that I had made to him as a result of him passing and you know telling him, hey, Mama's going to be fine. We're going to be fine. And he had passed away in August of 2018. And from there, yeah, that's when things really picked up. That's when the pace picked up because the power of why I was doing what I was doing was no longer about me. So my commitment became a lot bigger. My accountability became a lot bigger. And I think that's a very powerful tool for us to use. When you have something that's no longer about you, your accountability becomes extremely higher. Your willingness to do something becomes extremely higher because you're no longer saying, oh, you know, this is for me. I'll let myself down. You know, it's not a big deal. When you commit to something on behalf of someone else and tell them that you're going to commit to something, it becomes a little bit more, you know, it becomes a little bit more tangible to you because you're going to let someone else down as a result if you don't perform what you're going to do, what you're going to say you're going to do. And for me, that's, I can't. If I'm telling you I'm going to be here today, Gage, you know I'm going to be here on this podcast and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be here to communicate and have this awesome conversation with you. If I'm going to go help my friend out with studying, I'm going to be there at this time to this time and that's blocked in my schedule. I think accountability and the power of your why is really powerful. And I think it helped me with the weight loss itself. And so I'm forever grateful for, mm. you know, holding on to that and telling him that I was going to do it and, and finalizing that and doing what I told him I'm going to do. And I think about him every time I go lift. I think about him every time I go and do it. And on my Instagram, I made a post about that. And a lot of people, it was very kind and very teary thinking about it because I made a promise to him and I also made a promise to myself. So every time I go for a run, 13 mile, 15 mile, long run, on the back of my mind, I'm just remembering when I was by his bedside telling him, hey, it's going to be okay. And I promise you that will fuel you more than anything else in the world. You think you're really strong and you, and as individuals, we are strong, we're powerful, but when you make a commitment to someone else telling them you're going to do something, it makes things a little bit more, it's a different caliber of performance, a different caliber of motivation, and inspiration. So. Mm. Dang, man, that's powerful. And I'm, I'm sorry about your grandpa. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's exactly what I feel like a why should be about is it should be bigger than you. And another thing is that our coach says is like, you know, when you're in a dark place, like you were, you feel like you've been buried, which you've actually been planted. And, you know, it's crazy how <clears throat> I feel like God can can take people because I my grandpa also passed away from cancer, which is yeah. Um, it's crazy that he can take people and what that can do to people, like just to show you that perspective, like you know, life ends 
and that it's bigger than us at the end of the day is really powerful. And I, I like how you said accountability and how if you it's really just being impeccable with your word. Like if you tell someone I'm going to be here, you be there and not I'm not going to be five minutes late. Or if you're like you're a coach, like if you tell one person to do something, you're going to follow up and you're going to do that same amount of work. Right. 100%. And that it does make it easier. You know, I uh, the last talk I had with Joe and a couple others is we talked about our why and defining our why. And I talked about how my why stemmed from my dad because my dad and I, if you're listening to this, we're good now. But back in the day, it got really bad and got to the point where I was just like, I'm tired of being bigger. I'm tired of him feeling like he can push me around. I'm going to stick up for myself and grow. And that fire slowly burnt out. But when you, I haven't yet found it, I don't think, but <clears throat> I think it is important to have your why based around other people because then you can just fall back on that constantly instead of thinking of like anger and hatred for something or someone, you know? So I think it's yeah. powerful. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for sharing that, Gage. That's, I know a lot of people are going to resonate that. And I'm, I'm sorry about the loss of your grandpa. And I love the story of redemption as well. Within our faith, redemption of the relationship you had with your father. And life is a story of redemption in a lot of ways. Jesus' death and resurrection, redemption story for all of us. Redemption story of you building that relationship with your with your dad again and having that now, which is just so powerful. And I think, too, redemption with everything that's going on in your life is is a beautiful thing, whether that's, you know, coming back to a sport that you love coming back to um, a family member that you've lost contact with redemption is a, is a huge component of an endurance athlete and an endurance lifestyle. And I think it's a beautiful thing because when you lose something, you don't really know if it's ever going to come back. Right. But the return of that redemption and seeing that come back is the most rewarding experience you'll ever have. And I think seeing something come to fruition and the redeeming quality of life is really just the most beautiful thing and you're right life is frail there's a frailty element to it we're all going to pass we're all going to die but if you think of life that way it makes the waking up early to do something a little bit more fun it makes the 13 mile two hour run a little more fun it makes things a little bit more fun because you really don't know if you get tomorrow we don't know we don't know um and so that makes everything a little bit more shift in perspective. And I love that too. Perspective is one of my favorite words. And I know you uh, have heard that a lot as well, the, the word perspective and where it goes and how you use it. Um, literally shifting a perspective can change your entire day in one moment of that day. Um, and one thing I think about someone asked me the other day was, hey, how do you run 13 miles? And I said, as weird as this sounds, I think about someone who can't use their legs. And when I think of that, I realize, oh, wait, I have the chance to go for a run. I have the chance to be able to do this. When that person who is in a wheelchair or paralyzed, they wish they could stand up. And so when you think of things like that and shift that perspective, you realize that there's so much more abundance in life than there is scarcity. It's an abundance versus scarcity mindset. And when you look at life through abundance, it's just 
more beautiful. It's there's a lot more to pursue. You 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 feel so much more like inviting, and you, you feel so much more experience when you see life through that lens. And so I encourage people to see it through that way. And it was really awesome that you shared that. I just want to say thank you because I think a lot of people are going to resonate with that. Thanks, man. And what you're saying is speaking volumes. Like <clears throat> I caught myself yesterday. Actually, my my coordinator, a boss, he can say. Um, I was coming into work and going to PT. And she's like, oh, you got PT today? I'm like, yep. And I was like, and then I'll get to work. And she's like, you'll get to. You don't have to. I mean, you'll have to work. And I was like, no, I'll get to. And, you know, perspective is everything. It's not, it's it's everywhere, you know? And I thought of this quote, and it's by Marcus Aurelius, who's a philosopher. Mm -hmm. philosopher. He said, at dawn, when you have trouble getting out of bed, tell yourself, I have to go to work as a human being. What do I have to complain of if I'm going to do what I was born for, the things I was brought into the world to do, or is this what I was created for? To huddle under the blankets and stay warm. So it talked about like those early mornings, like when you feel like you don't want to do it. And I love early mornings because <clears throat> if yeah. you wake up early, your day is going to go better. I feel like 100%. Like if you just jump up and do it and you think back to that perspective, like, you know, this is very temporary, this little warm feeling, but getting up and actually living, you know, that's what it's about. That's what life is about. That's what it's all about. 100%. And something about it, seeing that sunrise. Oh, I'm from Texas, so I'm kind of biased here, but the Texas sunrise, it's hard to beat it. All of my Texans out there, if you're listening, you know what I'm talking about. Texas sunrise, Texas sunsets. But something about beating the sunrise is just one of the most rewarding experiences. And so I encourage you, if you're not a morning person, just watch the sunrise once. It really changed. I mean, I've always been a morning person. I, I love mornings. Uh, but if you haven't experienced that before, I challenge you to do that. It doesn't have to be running a 13 mile run. Don't get me wrong. If you have a cup of coffee and you're sitting on your patio, that's great. But I encourage you to experience an early morning once, whether that's journaling, setting up your, your day, uh, prayer, spiritual disciplines, uh, having a cup of coffee in the morning, whatever that is, I encourage you to try it because you're hundred percent right gauge. And I love that quote when it describes warmth. Cause I think that's the main thing is when you're warm and you don't have to encourage or you don't have to encourage uh conflict or something that's difficult then why would you want to get up we're we're naturally creatures of ease we want things to be easy we want path of least resistance but mm. i love that it's, it expresses the power that you get as a result of making that decision in the morning and that decision is a defining moment in a lot of ways how the rest of the day is going to go because if you say no to that what else are you going to say no to the rest of the day so mm. that's the way that I think about it as well. If you say no to that, then what are you going to say no to the rest of the day? So it's powerful. It is. And it's like, I don't know where I heard this. It might be a BPM thing, but it's like, listen to the birds in the morning. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Yeah. And dude, I mean, like another thing in a concept and you can touch base on this. I was reading a book the other day and it's called Discipline is Destiny. And he was talking about how nobody starts off as a morning person. Like nobody's a morning person, like just out the gate, right? Yeah. It's just a habit that you acquire. Do you agree with that? Because I do. I 100% agree. And also being a morning person is not an everyday occurrence. Let me, let me lead by saying that. And you no. can, I, I know, you, you know what I'm talking about. Every, the person at night determines 
who the person in the next day you are going to be. If you go into sleep thinking, oh, I am not excited about tomorrow, chances are tomorrow is going to be a rough day. If you can set the expectation for yourself that like there's no negotiation, I'm getting up, that's where it becomes powerful. But even me, I, I get up at 4.30, 5 o'clock most days, and people think I'm crazy, and that, that's fine. Um, I get it uh, because I do go to sleep pretty late, and I have been uh, known for sleeping four or five hours. But I if I don't do that, and this is what comes as a result of the habit of developing this morning routine is I feel so disoriented for the rest of the day. I feel so behind. Uh, and so I feel like I'm catching up when I don't do that morning routine, but I agree hundred percent with that. I don't think I've never met someone that is like, yes, 4am every single day. There are some days where it's a breath of fresh air and I wake up before the alarm goes off and I'm ready to go. But I would say it's a 90-10. I would say 10% of it is me. Hey, I'm I'm so excited for this. Let's go. Others is like, we've got a plan to do. This is non-negotiable. You've got to get up. So, For sure, man. And <clears throat> I haven't woken up at that time since the injury just because I've, I've really let off the gas. But from the start of the year to May 22nd when I hurt myself, I mean – it was a fight. It was a fight to wake up early because I had a lot on my plate and like, it's not easy. Like mornings suck. Some most of the time they suck, but what <laughs> they do for the rest of the day, it's like you suck a little bit in the morning and then the rest of the day is golden, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. so we talked, this is a question I've been wanting to ask and we talked sure. about a lot of things. We talked about how accountability is important to you, you know, having perspective and then how your grandpa kind of gave you the virtues and your what's what's the other word i'm thinking of and your values in a way growing up and i really like this question that i'm about to ask you and it's what are three values that you live by or you want to live by in the future wow it's very powerful i think and this is going to be very physical therapy of me so let's let's keep that in mind going into this but first and foremost faith is a value that i hold very very dear to me i would also say altruism and empathy so altruism serving others before myself putting others before my own self-interest is very rewarding and very powerful to me seeing the growth and the experiences of other people is brings me a lot of joy and seeing how they're able to overcome and then empathy is understanding someone else's story and how your story can line up. That's why we're having the conversation we're having right now. That's why we're able to connect with people on a humane level. As humans, we empathize with one another because of the experiences and exposures we have to life on different spectrums, on different wavelengths and frequencies. So empathy is also a value that I have. And so I would say those are the main three that come to mind right now because one of what where I'm headed in my profession, and I don't wholly identify in that, but I take those values with me outside of the profession to serve others in a different capacity outside of physical therapy so that I can experience the world and see the world through a different perspective. So those are the three main values that I have and I and I hold dear and true to myself for sure. Mm. Yeah, man. I <clears throat> I really like empathy. I like all of those. They all intertwine in different ways. You know, you got the faith, altruism, 
and then empathy. And I think empathy is, you know, I feel like you, maybe this is coming out weird. I don't know, but like you have to have empathy even for yourself. I feel like, especially when it comes to weight loss, like when you hit those dark moments, sometimes you just have to listen to yourself and your body and take inventory as everyone likes to say, and yeah, really, sure. <laughs> and really reflect on those things. And then you have faith that it's going to be okay. And that it's going to push you through. And then through what you do is where the altruism comes in and you get to show people that's possible. And then you get to show, you know, they all intertwine. And I love that. And they're very similar to what I would say. And I like that, Seth. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I've never really thought of it on that, that, uh, that, that, that map and that, that, that linear path, but that's beautiful. I mean, that's wonderful. I, I mean, you took what it's in my brain, the three values that I have and put it on a scale of why I do what I do. So that's, that's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. Cause now I've got my, my gears going. I was like, that's really awesome. I, you expressed what was going on in my head without me being able to say it. So thank you. That's awesome. You're welcome. And I definitely, I pulled that out of left field. So <laughs> I don't know where great. that came from, yeah. but that's great. a good sign. It's a good sign. I'm getting better at this podcast thing that I could flow yeah. things and not <laughs> stutter and, and all that crap. But yeah, dude. Um, so last question to end off with a bang is what is a message for future Seth? For future Seth. Slow down. That I think that's the main one. And what I mean by that is soak it in because I think in a lot of ways I've tried to carpet, uh, like put all my life into these compartments, compartmentalize all these categories in my life and only give a certain percentage of those compartments Hmm. instead of being present right now, because I'm already thinking of future Seth, where he's going to be. So I would, I would venture to say, slow down, take it in. And I shared this with you on our first call gauge was I feel like everything sped past me because I was so focused on what was going to be instead of what is right now. So I encourage people in my future self to slow down. Understand that life, as Earl Nightingale said, is still going to go. Time still goes. But it's how you ingest that time. It's how you soak in that time and what you witness and what you do and what you experience is what makes it the most beautiful, makes it the most memorable. And what you're, I'd say the experiences that I have with my people and the people I meet along the journey is the most rewarding experience, not the academic achievements and the accolades and the pursuit of getting a high GPA and all of that. That's great. That's part of who I am, but I wouldn't keep chasing after a statistic. I need to be the best version of Seth. Terry Crews kind of shared this on a Rich Roll podcast, I think, was he kept saying something along the lines of be the best. And then he put you at the end of it. Be the best you. Because there's only one of you. There's only one gauge. There's only one Seth in the world ever. There will only be one of us that is us in the world. And that's unique. And that's the power you hold as a human in your experience in life. Is that yes, you are one person, but you're the only version of you that the world has. So 
embrace your mannerisms and your quirks and the way that you express, you know, friendships with other people and how you love people and how you uh, serve other people because no one's ever going to be able to do it like you do it because they're not you. So that's the main thing is don't try to be so caught up in what you're doing, but how you're doing it and make sure to perform based on how you are as a person, not how you think you should be or how someone thinks you should be, you know? So I want to share that with everyone as well. It's very powerful. It's like that powerful message that I learned, but I, I love that. Mm. Man, this message for your future self just smacked me in the face. <laughs> slowing down <laughs> is slowing down is a good one, man. And I was just talking about the other day, like, you sometimes you go so fast, you forget to have fun, you forget to have be a kid at times, you know, and it's very true. And it's almost like, and maybe you can disagree, agree with this, but instead of having so much quantity of different things, you just have like very like four things, but very high quality you, you know, like your bandwidth, as a lot of people like to say, is just yeah. keeping that thin and not like super thin to where it's easy, but to where you can be your best in each situation. I think that is important. for sure. So like yeah, for me, 100%. Be... yeah, Go sorry. On. Yeah. 100%. I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to cut you off. I agree 100%. And I can share something uh, here was, and Nick bear says this was everything you try to do comes to the sacrifice of something else. So you saying that is very true. You can have, all of these eggs in different baskets, but what about the basket you already have that's already full of eggs, you know? And so if you're deviating into other things, it comes to the expense of your relationship with your significant other or your family or your brother, your sister, your friends, your best friend, um, your social groups, all of those things. So I, I think that's 100% true. Mm. Yes. Opportunity cost, as they'd say. Opportunity <laughs> cost. Yes, sir. <laughs> yep. And it's so true, man. Gosh, you got me reflecting on so many different things. Like on this past year, I don't even really, really remember the last time I had like quality time with my family, like truthfully, like straight up where I was there. I wasn't thinking about future gauge because like after because before May, I was very I would say I was focused is what people would ask me as to be like, why aren't you getting a girlfriend gauge? I'm like, I'm focused. I'm locked in right now. You know, I want to get this done. I want to be a firefighter. And then after I hurt myself on May 22nd, I don't even know where Gage was at 90% of the time. It wasn't here. It was thinking like, will Gage be able to ever walk the same? Will I'll be able to be a firefighter? Will I be able to help people the way I want to? And man, like when you're not present, bad habits will come back because you're not aware. And that's what I just took away from this is you've got to be present, you know, mm -hmm. quality over quantity. So that's yes, a great sir. message. That's it. That's it, man. That's, and that's me speaking, preaching to the choir as, as a person myself. So that, that's yep. me for sure. I love that. Awesome, man. All right. Well, where could people find you, Seth? For sure. Um, most people, the, the biggest platform I'm on is Instagram. It's just Seth Moore on Instagram. You can also find me on Facebook. Seth Moore. And the other thing is you can also find me at Furthermore Fitness. If you want to talk a little bit about coaching, things like that, Furthermore Fitness is kind of the company I'm developing where we are a community that go, is furthermore. So we are a community that always tries to achieve a little bit more in addition to. So it's a play on my last name a little bit. I love it because I tried to be clever. 
So it's furthermore with two O's. So furthermore fitness on Instagram, that's where you'll find me in a little bit of documenting my uh, journey with the things that I do and the goals and challenges that I have. It's kind of being woven into my personal account because I didn't want them to be two separate accounts, but you'll see it there. If you want to find me there, please send me a message. Please communicate with me. I love to communicate. I love to connect. Gage and I just happened to hop on a call and it was awesome. I love chatting with him and it's been an honor to be on this podcast today. So if you want to connect, I would love to communicate with you. And if you have any physical therapy, weight loss, exercise, all things health or just life, let's talk. Let's hop on a call, send me a message. And those are the main platforms you'll find me on for sure. And I'll leave that all in the show notes below. But thank you, Seth. I'm glad we hopped on that call. I'm glad we hopped on this because I mean, just had a great discussion. So there's your proof, people. Reach out. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Gage. And we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Destination Discipline Podcast. If you found value in this episode, I would greatly appreciate it if you give us a follow and review on the platform of your choice. Either way, I appreciate you so much. And if you'd like to connect with me or the guests, the information will be in the show notes below. Till next time, peace.